Welcome back to The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. We're looking at episodes 15, Return to Camino, and 16, Camino Lost. And this is part two, where we're diving right into character and theme analysis. And talking about our favorite design elements. Without further ado, let's get into part two. talking about characters we should since um, we have previously covered all of the plot <laughs> it's hard here with characters because i'm i feel like we've talked so much yeah so we we have talked a lot about them within the episode and we can get into finer finer points if we uh would like to but um i think you've written down some good questions here since i i wrote these down i can't remember who wrote these down it's oh. been like a it's been a while it was the we... borrower who lives in our house <laughs> yeah uh, since this, this these are the last two episodes this is the season finale yeah. we can kind of uh put it put it up against the season premiere i think that's a good um, idea <laughs> one of the first questions that we have is uh how do each of these characters finish out their respective arcs yeah what are they you know what's their development from the first time we see them have they changed yeah, let's uh it is i i mean i feel like it's pretty consistent to say that um out of our cast of characters the ones who have like actually had somewhat consistent arcs are the like same really two not even three main characters and the other batch members being echo tech and wrecker are, are kind of you know yeah they're not exactly they're a bit more static yeah. um and to be fair like they don't they don't we don't need like seven dynamic characters all changing in different ways <laughs> yeah and to be fair like we get that's some... just like senior year of high school yeah um your friend groups um yeah. we get some i would say maybe like cascading mm-hmm. you know because i feel like echo probably has more than like tech and wrecker and like we've gotten more with wrecker we've literally gotten nothing with tech what i'm saying is that we've gotten nothing with tech but it's okay like well okay when you say nothing are you just talking about like screen time or like little moments because like we do have yeah you're right wrecker and echo do have a little maybe a little more one-on-one with yeah uh, essentially and what i'm saying is that like echo as we've seen mostly in the back half of this season has had some character development that we can see and then it kind of goes down from there but like you know we've seen wrecker in like the battle scars episode he had a lot of like actual screen time though he doesn't necessarily have a huge arc Mm -hmm. i feel like out of the group tech probably has like the least amount of i mean changing or like screen time stuff going on i don't even know that like echo really changes he like realizes like one thing is what i'm referring to in that like he goes from i mean he's still the same person which is the point but like he, he goes from being I mean, specifically in episode 10 in Common Grounds where he, oh, like, that's true, you know, is like has to learn that like people are just people regardless of like these like political ties that don't really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm referring to. OK, OK. I don't yeah. know why I didn't just say that up front. I was like, I'm going to describe You're it like, in a really roundabout be way. cheeky about it. I'm going to make you guess as to what I'm <laughs> talking about, which is great, like audio experience for yeah. everyone. But yeah, no. So like. I think we can focus mostly on like I would say Hunter has changed the most. Omega has learned a lot mm-hmm. and Crosshair is I guess a little bitch but has changed um a bit. Yeah, his is a little difficult to kind of parse yeah. because we we just don't see a lot from him. We see a major character shift between like post Braca and then like yeah. uh here and now and and those episodes uh the but 
<laughs> the political you... intrigue episodes. Um, the Ryloth episodes. Yes, I, I couldn't remember the, the name. Book of Boba Fett. I'm like, no, what are you he's on not about? in there. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't see him too much. We we do see like a major character shift, but like, I mean, we are of the opinion that that is due to the fact that he had his chip removed and he became less like robotically hostile, and then just became a guy with weird opinions. Yeah. Um, but. He's still, you know, 110% in with the Empire. It's, yeah, there's no, it's, not really like a change. It's almost harder to nail down with him because, like, he's not, I mean, he's not one of our main characters, but he's also not very vocal. That's so, like, true, yeah. I- instead of, you know, with someone who's maybe a little bit more out there, like, you know, the conversations we see between Hunter and Omega or even Charlie Rampart with his, like, in- insane out there, like, villain vibes you know like we understand what they want and potentially how they could have changed because they're being really in a way vocal about it even if it's like just physically or their actions like crosshair we don't see him a lot and then like he's not vocal so i feel like we're not exactly always privy to like how he potentially could have changed internally we're kind of more so like told his uh his arc in this last episode when he's trying to convince hunter to join them and he's just like no i believe in the empire and yeah we've made it to the point where they're all of their own free will m- making their own decisions they are not being coerced they're not being controlled in any way the power of choice is strong um and crosshair is doubling down that like this it is my choice it is my development my character arc that like i re- retain my faith in the empire yeah um so like in that respective in that respect we have them both kind of doing that on opposite sides of the scale yeah but it's harder to see an entire arc for crosshair because again yeah again we just don't see a lot of him and when we do see him he's not very vocal like you yeah it almost in a way is like how there's that concept of like you can have like a character arc that like you know benefits that character makes them a better person or you can have a character arc that kind of makes someone worse like a negative character arc. Yes. not necessarily that crosshair's arc at this point because i mean keep in mind that this is the first season yeah we don't know how many seasons the show is going to go to Mm-mm. and also like we're only seeing right part of his story um but at we're, this point, we're kind of smack dab in the middle i would say like yeah. we're at a point where like he could either have a positive character arc or he could have a negative yeah character i would arc, say depending on the next season in the amount that we see in this Which season I, I guess are kind of the only two options <laughs> trending downwards right like it's potentially not there's a lot of places where it could not be great where it could True. go really bad for yeah. him especially with the fact that we haven't i mean we haven't seen what happens but he's probably gonna go hit up the empire again to come rescue his ass off of fucking camino and again i i truly cannot imagine that charles rampart admiral charles rampart yeah. would be like Hashtag yeah, Admiral welcome. Charles Rampart. Yeah, Admiral Charlie Rampart uh, would be like, yeah, come on back. Yeah. Come on down. Unless like, he, in that uh, moment, was like, I have a plan and I'm looking for like one more pawn I can move around. And then Crosshair's like, ring, ring, ring. It's me. The pawn. The pawn. <laughs> and he's like, oh, perfect. I forgot about this guy. I thought he was dead. I um, guess. I but don't like, know. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I'm really excited to see how that picks up because obviously it's not like we're just going to get in the next season cut back to that one platform on Camino and there's a pile of bones there and a gun, you know, like <laughs> he's not just going to perish, right? Like the whole like <laughs> uh, entirety of season two is just like the batch getting into like crazy uh, adventures and stuff. And then like every like t- five seconds, they like or every they five minutes, they cut the back bones. to Crosshair, just like no music, just standing on the platform. Like I'm waiting. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was like a bird that at the end it's in. like bones yeah. <laughs> um like obviously that's not gonna happen they set up his character at this point yeah of course you know for this reason so like Whatever way this goes, I'm interested to see how he gets out of it because I think that is going to be a huge crossroad in his character development. Mm -hmm. If he gets picked back up by the Empire or if he somehow, like, goes on his own or something like that. But, like, with his what we've seen from him, it seems like, again, he's really throwing in with the Empire. So seems like he's going to try to go that way. I feel that this is only uh, a matter of time before this happens, but I do feel that, like, he the empire is going to betray his trust because it always does yeah. uh and at that point i will be uh, it's just a question of like is that going to happen early in this season two yeah or is it going to happen later or mid in the season two i like, and i mean i think we can discuss this as we go on through these questions about like what we think is going to happen in the next season but like in in us watching obi-wan i think mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to see that i think things potentially like that should happen earlier on so we have time to like i don't know have story have an opinion after like i don't know what uh like big character twists mm-hmm. almost like i feel yeah. like in in obi-wan spoilers like the stuff with reva right mm-hmm. happens in the last episode or like the second to last episode and they waited way 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 too long to do that yeah. that it didn't plot out very well to the point where like we got any sort of satisfactory ending because of that and i feel like in this regard when it comes to crosshair like i almost wish that like that you know diverging path would come up really like kind of soon in the first half of the season Mm -hmm. so that we can see sort of like i mean the interesting thing about his story is how he deals with it right how he is going to either change with the you know and move on with the future or die with the past right Mm -hmm. um so i don't know again it's hard to say with him what his arc potentially could be it's trending downward i would say and by downward i mean like towards the empire's gravitational pull exactly um Um, no i think that's a valid thing um i think they're uh one of our questions still in this sort of uh zone is what are these episodes setting up for the next season which is why i brought that up yeah uh but i want to talk about um i know we were just we just talked about echo and how he doesn't quite have like an arc one would say or he, it's very he, very sort of the, the one thing he's learning and adjusting <laughs> but not in any like super um, apparent way but yeah but like i think that's definitely setting up some more yeah. conflict um not not proper conflict between like him and hunter in the next season i would say but like what are they gonna do about yeah the empire now and to- like I, I think that echo's desire to be the white knight and be uh the soldier again can is only going to grow stronger yeah no and especially i think as obviously the empire grows in strength like it's going to be that that pull for him is going to be so much greater right Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like rex being one of the only people he knows from like his own past right like i think that's i don't know that has its own like better gravitational pull right and like but i do think that's fair i think it's really interesting to think of when we first see echo join the batch in season seven and at the beginning of this show how he's I mean, he's different. He's a lot more like of just a soldier still. And I think it's interesting that we've gotten to see him, I would say, maybe get more of his own voice in Mm -hmm. this, you know, and and be comfortable with questioning authority and, you know, because it's the right thing to do. He's always, I think, been a person who's like, it's the right thing to do. But um, 
I don't know. Like, it seems like he's maybe standing he's, on his own two legs maybe a little bit more. He is rarely, I think, within the Republic had to stand up to authority because that it would be the right That's thing to fair. do. Yeah. Because they've always sort of steered him That's correctly. That's their gist. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the... Is he involved in those episodes with that shitty Jedi general? Um, are you talking like, about General Krell? Yeah. On, um, is he in that? <sighs> Who's in that? No. Because it's That's, Rex. It's, it's hot cakes. It's hard case. <laughs> Rex. Tup is in the no dogma is in those episodes. Yeah, Jesse, it's, I think Jesse is in those episodes, and, and fives I think is in those episodes. I think you're correct. I think that happens because that's like season you think five. That, I think that that's, that's after, after, the after Citadel. Citadel. Okay. So I think Echo is dead by then. Yeah, dead. dead. Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> I was just <laughs> trying to uh, Umbara. Those yeah. are the Umbara. I really like that arc. I was uh, I was just trying to fact check myself because I was like. That was that one time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, no, no. That's fair, and that is a, a, a good there. point. But he was, yeah, yeah, deceased. Um, speaking of our next question under characters is uh, about foils. So we've set up, uh, and by we I do mean the people who make this show. <laughs> we have seen Hunter and Crosshair I, being set up as foils. I did notice that in listening to some of our recordings, like I specifically say we a lot, but mm-hmm. like I I use we verbs, but I think it's like such a communal like story is so communal. Well, like, yeah. the show is so communal to me. We have nothing about- to fucking do with this show. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think people know that. <laughs> In our hearts and souls, we do. I wish we had something to do yeah. with this show. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's just us over here being like, I know how to write. I know how to design. Please. We're going to talk about it, yeah. though. Okay. We we have seen as the audience, which like, you know, audience ship is participatory. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a royal we. We all. Uh, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> y'all. We all. We all have seen Hunter and Crosshair set up as foils. And then, of course, we have brought in our sort of weirdly named foil triumvirate yeah. of crosshair hunter and omega yeah it's a good thing um, to bring back here it's Thank interesting you for reminding me <laughs> <laughs> i i think that like where the season leaves off hunter and crosshair could still be officially called that because they still have like these like very differing opinions especially hunter is like the leader of the batch and like you know that's where the lines were drawn between him and crosshair um but do we see him them being foils remaining foils in an important way or like i what other foils do you think we might see like but what other like character foils or what other ways they could be foil no what other character foils uh in the next season like i think maybe we have a chance to see crosshair and rampart as a little bit of foils Um, i mean you already mentioned this but potentially hunter and echo more when we get more of their characters characterizations Mm -hmm. I would love to see some of these, like, like a wrecker and a tech get brought into, not necessarily maybe a foil, but, like, a, a some... I want to see more of their opinions, their personalities. Yes. Um, because, obviously, it seems like they're two kind of more go-with-the-flow type of people. They're not exactly... they They're not leaders. They don't want to be leaders, right? Um, yeah, that would be interesting. I, I will say, though, it seems like... Our foil triumvirate has gotten stronger as the season has gone on, which is great. That means we're right. Um, well, you know what? Don't boo us. We're right. <laughs> you know what? That's good storytelling. So yeah. I, I expect nothing. Uh, now that's what less. I call good storytelling. <laughs> Volume one. <laughs> um, but like, especially here that we finally see at the end of the season, like Crosshair's actual full-on opinions, and yeah. like, I they're foiling in a different way than I would say they were in the first episode. Like they are. They still have different opinions, but we've gotten to see those opinions and those experiences change them. Yeah. And so it's not just like, as it was in the pilot, like Crosshair being like, well, I don't like how you lead. 
and Hunter being like, okay, get in fucking line. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do about get it. Get in line as if the rest of them also hate <laughs> the it. The line is one. I am, it's just him. My complaint department is full. <laughs> my, I put it in my ask box and it's just a garbage can. Um, <laughs> garbage can labeled suggestion box. <laughs> garbage can labeled HR. Um, but, um. Like, uh, it's now uh, about more than that, right? It's about, like, choice and purpose and, like, their, you know, kind of destinies are not, right? And they're still on opposite sides of that. They're still kind of equal and opposite in that way. Mm -hmm. And we still have Omega involved in that because we have, you know, the mirror of the conversation in the jail in the first episode we see here again. Like, I I like that they're all still kind of spiraling into each other and, like, affecting each other. And, like, that's just a stronger bond that's been created now all the way through the season this is a little bit off topic yeah but hit me on the topic of uh that conversation that omega and crosshair have in their like quarters that are under the water now i think it's actually in the, the lab oh it is in the lab yeah it's never like, mind oh never mind never what? mind what were you gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say if it's in their quarters it's really interesting that like they mirrored their quarters and like a prison in the first episode oh um, well i mean but like it still kind of holds over because i was gonna the lab say, feel yeah is in a way a prison from what we have been given in this episode yeah. vis-a-vis omega's past and the batch's past it does feel apt to say that um Not- i don't know that that's an entire like um like huge facet of that conversation that they're having um but i i wanted to bring it is i mean and you could also bring up the fact that they are trapped there is like a good mirror to that i mean also the fact that like omega in the episodes with um god what was it was it nine i think it was nine where fennec and and cad bane Mm -hmm. are there where like her you know this was going to be her prison right like it has been right i think there's fair points to be made there and i think the locations are probably important that's a good call again in light of what we learn in these two episodes about omega i think it it makes you look at the rest of the season and go oh my god like her character is is uh also being incredibly informed by every conversation she has even though originally i think we we were meant to look at it as like her informing other characters um as like the child as the like the sort of thing to be protected now i love this is so off topic but i just love that like we flip that on its head yeah absolutely in the end of the season where it's like oh she's their big sister yeah yeah and i mean like it it tracks with what we've been talking about this entire time of like this is star wars but flipped on its head and i feel like you know for a a long time the mentee mentor mentee relationship has been kind of strictly that where it is you know um like someone like ahsoka the padawan learning from an older yeah there's person. no twists it's there's not no, yeah it always it's not that nuanced it's literally I, what it is i yeah. would say like it maybe gets a little bit of flavor in rebels with like the fact that mm-hmm. like kanan is teaching ezra but kanan also has a lot of doubt about his place as a jedi because he never finished his training and he has to deal with that right he's just like he just i was decided that he was gonna get married <laughs> yeah well <laughs> he, jedi don't have attachments i do have a wife though he's like god damn it <laughs> Master Yoda help. Um, and Master like, Yoda's like, what do you want me to do? Your wife is hot. <laughs> That's fine. He's like, I never cared. <laughs> Did you see Yaddle? I had the hots for her. That's how Yoda talks, right? He's like exactly. a really horny he's old like, man he's ghost. Like a really horny frat boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, so I, I like that in a really creative way. We've flipped the script once again that like it's not just mentor mentee, you know, big brother parent to a younger sibling. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, we completely reversed it. Now everything previously has so much more meaning. It's 
I don't know. It's, it's a really unique twist that, like, I feel like I didn't necessarily see going into this. But no, it was it, it was a huge uh, surprise to me. I and you were going to say upset. It was a huge <laughs> upset. <laughs> no, it was not an upset. It was a huge surprise to me um, for, for, for the positive. Like, it's very very good that they decided to do that yeah um but i again i I, to bring it almost back full circle it it strengthens our foil triumvirate a bit a bit because um because uh omega's role in that grows stronger um with the information that we have now um as how she relates to these two uh crosshair and hunter yeah um Um, that that being said i mean we can talk about omega um, yeah let's talk about her character arc which is just she's a child and then she grows up i guess i mean like truly it's kind of a now that we've been like just literally sitting down to watch this show and like actually full-on analyze it constantly um which is a blessing and a curse uh (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh it's something i i really 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 appreciate the like subtle things that they um did um that were like loud in concert i think to uh kind of make you understand that like omega is growing she is learning these things um i remember one of the things that i thought was an interesting comment was when she gets her bow and sid is like oh it's um you're having trouble shooting it because you have these noodle arms you need to get stronger and like i don't know that we ever i think one of the things that we said in that episode was uh we don't she kind of like seems to master it at the end of the that episode which yeah, i think the is the beginning of the next decommissioned or something um oh, which, in the like, next episode yes yeah um which like to be fair i don't think that's true like she still is sort of learning yeah um but like we see her learn so much like we do see her grow a lot yeah. like especially in episode like nine or something um after she has to basically es- escape from these two bounty hunters alone um we we really do see these little moments that in concert are very loud that like omega is growing and she's becoming uh very bold and she is being taught by you know people who um want to do good you know yeah no i think that's like a actually a really great way to put it um because i feel like the the bow specifically is a great way to analyze her character development but also like as we've talked about how um these things aren't always like when you look at them as a whole they are very like you know loud and obvious but I, I like that through the episodes they're not necessarily always called out like the bow specifically right we see her get better and better with it yeah. but like it's not like every episode someone's like wow you're getting pretty good with that yeah again um, and and like like every fucking thing on this show is a testament to how well this story is written yeah absolutely um it, it's it's totally the like show don't tell it's clear to me that the writers don't think that the audience is idiots even uh <laughs> Even though we're children. <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, even though this is an all-ages show, and yeah. like, it could be tempting for, like, maybe a lazier, like, author or somebody to just, to just be, like, to just, like, oh, it's for kids. Only kids are going to watch this. I'm just going to, like, feed them the information yeah. that they need to know. Like, they don't do that. Like, I, as an audience, I think they respect the audience a lot, and they're like, you can put these yeah. things together. You're smart. I mean, like, we've talked about this how many times, and I don't even remember what episode it is. I think it's three where Tarkin uses the word cost prohibitive. Yeah. Where it's just like, what a wild fucking thing to use in an all ages show. Like, thank you for for understanding that your audience is smart or can, you know, figure things out. Like, Like, even if they are kids, like, congratulations, you just learned a new word, kids. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, ask your parents or fucking Google it. Like, (laughs) absolutely. You probably have a phone. Probably. Um, But yeah, no, I really like that with the bow. Like, when we see her, you know, use it in, like, the back half of this season, because she uses it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, 
there's no wobble to her arms. She's pretty much mastered it, though, you know, it probably would help if she was like, you know, as she grows up, right? It'll be easier. But like, yeah, and we don't have it called out to us like ever again. It's not like, you know, yeah, in the last episode, someone is like, wow, you got really good with that. Or like, as we've gone on, they've specifically called that out to tell us so like obvious and hit us over the head with like her development but like it is nice because it and then it just feels natural right like yeah we almost got just just like to see her grow as a person we almost got just like the one moment that she kind of needed um the tough love i'm gonna call it from a sid who's just like you're too weak you need to get strong and she's just like okay i will like i will get strong uh, and then we see her quietly doing that yeah. for the rest of the episodes um, to the point where, like, her strength is indispensable to the batch and is why yeah. they are all alive at this point. Like, yeah. it, it's really, really good to see. Um, yeah. And she we- is, I mean, obviously she's one of the main characters, but she's one of my favorites. I'm I'm so glad they treated her like an actual human person. Yeah. Um, and it is nice to see. And I, I mean, I talk about this a lot, and I think we've probably talked about this, but one of my favorite things is just, like, thinking about how special it must be for young people now to have a character like that exactly. to be able to see themselves in and especially like young women right exactly um, or girls rather um <laughs> but it, it just like I don't know it's nice it's sweet I really appreciate that they took the time to like create like a fleshed out human person yeah to to understand the world through right yeah um and I like that a lot of her other character development e things like becoming sort of like strategic in a way and becoming more of like a leader and then obviously the the kind of icing on the cake to that is that we find out that she's actually in fact the oldest so like mm-hmm. her leading kind of does make sense because she is in a way protective of them like i like that that feels really natural too like yeah there's that episode where she god what is it they leave her behind right Oh, it's common ground. Mm-hmm. Um, they leave her behind and she uh, plays uh, cyber chess with Sid um, and is like, I'm good at strategy. But like, never again is she just like, hey, remember how I'm good at strategy? Like she just is. And she just does it. She goes into that role really well. Yeah. Like in the Ryloth episode, she does that. Yeah, when she's, she's like, OK, Hera, we need to come up with a plan. Exactly. Let's do it. Let's go into this other room and just like strategize. And then we'll come out and tell them and they'll be like so floored that they'll yeah. do it. And that's exactly what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> like. You know, it's just nice to see that she has, like, developed and changed in the way that we would expect for a a young person character Mm -hmm. to, you know, grow. Um, But, and, like, but we're not hit over the head with it. We get to see this quietly and naturally and, like, in so much in action than just with words. And I think, like, obviously, as we've talked about a lot with the little, this show really fucking kicks ass when it comes to that. Absolutely. Um, um, is there any other characters that you want to talk about? We, we did talk about, should we um, talk about Hunter? Cause we haven't. Oh, have we not? No. Okay. Let's talk about that boy. Hey, remember like our main character, our main guy kind of, um, he is not necessarily tricky, but he is a, he is a dad arc. Yeah. He's a dad. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I, I love that we get to see this like grown ass man who in the pilot episode is extremely not that he's become less capable but like we see him off the bat as being like a capable person who doesn't take no for an answer and is just sort of like yeah we're gonna get it done we're gonna do it um i mean he's very nurturing from the beginning but like i love that he's kind of become uncertain not in himself and not in like his relationship with like the rest of the batch i mean i guess sans crosshair who from the beginning obviously Mm -hmm. um they have some issues but (laughs) uh but like he he's i I enjoy this existential crisis that he's having uh not in like an insane way uh but he's basically like 
is my job to do good mm. like what is my job anymore is yeah. my job to do good is my job to protect my squad like should i be getting involved in this like he has to be convinced on multiple occasions by omega um and like some by echo to like get involved and like help people which like he's not opposed to but like i i like this internal struggle that he has that we don't often see in characters that are painted to be the hero as like my first and foremost my job is to protect my family you say that again it is we do or do I, not often see that i think we don't often see that i think the like father figure of the group is usually always the like you got to do everything in like in your power to help people and like i like that it's omega and some and somewhat echo that are the ones that are like we need to help these people and mm. like um because i feel like a lot of the times characters relegated to the father role often are just like here's my wisdom i'm going to die now <laughs> Um, and I remembered very fondly, but like, yeah. you know, I, I like that we get to see him growing and struggling and changing and, um, trying to figure out his, what, what, he, what his role in this is. Yeah. I, it is fun to see. That's a fair point to be like, I don't feel like we usually see dad characters who are like actively struggling. Yeah. And if they are, it's like a dumb, like, I love my kid, but I'm going to be mean to them because I don't know how to love people or whatever. <laughs> you know, like that garbage. Because my dad about. only yeah. ever yelled at me. God, or yeah. Like yeah. the thing we've talked about 800 times where yeah. it's just like, that's shitty and I don't like it. It's nice. Yeah. Like we see him fuck up and like see the repercussions of that like quite a few times and like him learning and like, I and guess. The fact that he listens to, to his yeah, family. Exactly. Um, when they're like, we need to do this and I feel strongly. He's just like, okay. Yeah. He's like, cool. I respect you. Yeah. He's like a team leader, but he's willing to take cues from other people, which yeah. is nice. To me, like his arc as we've seen it now, and I'm assuming it's going to continue to go in this direction with some, you know, spice and flavor added to it, is that like <laughs> he feels like he is being softened. And yes. like, yeah, you know, like that's a, a good way la, to put it. I love Dragon Age because that's why I was remembering this uh -huh. um, that you can sort of soften or harden characters, but he feels like he's being softened. Like he's not, you know, he, he's getting the space and understanding to think about his own place in all of this and all. Also, like how much he cares about other people he's getting to exercise like what it means to actually like physically care about like another person like omega yeah. and like understand things on her level and like i feel like the reason why in these two last episodes hunter is able to go up to crosshair and be like hey like just because we don't agree doesn't mean that like you don't belong here is because he's had all these experiences along the yeah. way obviously that's the whole point of the whole story but like you know, the hunter in episode one, you know, who um, pulls out his gun, not necessarily at Crosshair, but to shoot a droid, but kind of in an intimidating manner, yeah. like, isn't the same person we see at the end. No. And like, that person probably wouldn't be able to maybe grow, go up to Crosshair and be like, it's okay that we don't agree, even if it's like we super, super don't agree. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to be um in contempt with you because like, like just because we don't agree doesn't mean we don't, we have to be enemies yeah it's, like yeah. to the point where it feels like here at the end it, it feels like he's one step away from being like i love you you're my brother like nothing will ever change that like yeah. that's kind of feels like to me the emotions behind it yeah. and i like that yeah it does feel like he has been softened to the point where he is able to say that now yeah um and i really he's like not that. this like a hardened bitter what? war war papa. exactly <laughs> like oh, i went to you know wherever and like you know i saw shit so like i get to be a bitch about it yeah. like i get it but like you know in star wars that feels like a lot and like yeah it doesn't really have a place and i'm like that we're drifting away from that storyline of like 
this weird old wizened dad who like kind of sucks to like who's a like, softened person. Yeah, and who's like allowed to get away with like, I just don't express emotions well and that's yeah. just who I am. And it's like, no, you have just like your- It's called issues. <laughs> <laughs> just like your child is learning things that she's never had to, you know, contend with or do before. Like does that you also have to learn things that you've never had to contend yeah. with or do before. And I understand that like emotionality is not something that they taught you in clone school, but like- you still have the capability. You're still human. Yeah. You still have the capability and need to learn this yeah. stuff. And, and you can't still let bitterness, yeah. you know, rule your heart because it's just, it it ruins everything around you. Yeah. And I like that we also obviously get to see that with like, with Echo. I feel like Echo gets a little bit more softened yeah. too. Like, again, we talked about this in one of our episodes, but like, it's so nice and refreshing that like these this like platoon of boys like yeah. doesn't feel like a platoon of like boys. It d- yeah it doesn't feel overwhelmingly man yeah yeah, yeah. and like it, i think that is you know part and parcel with the fact that they're being softened they're like becoming real human beings and like yeah. you know are... they're being given the space to be absolutely yeah human yeah yeah and like it's just so i don't know refreshing like it's not necessarily always about being like the biggest, the toughest, the strongest, the yeah. baddest person. And like, even in the context of Star Wars, it's not about being like the best shot, right? Yeah. It's, not, it's not about being the best pilot. It's about like, can you look at the person who betrayed you and say like, it's okay. I kind of forgive you. Yeah. Like, you know. I, I Yeah. I just love what you just said because <laughs> this whole show, like the premise is that like, I'm really good at, at technical yeah. things and I'm really good at shooting and yeah, they, they basically were just like, forget up. I know that was our, our hook, but like, forget about that. They're yeah. humans. <laughs> and like, again, I, I the hero's journey story has a place and has had a place. Yeah. But like, it doesn't necessarily always account for like the softer, sweeter, quieter character mm-hmm. developments. It really is kind of about like overcoming obstacles and just becoming the best. But like, these guys were the best. And now they have to like realize that they're people in there. Yeah, precisely. This show is good. This show is really, really good. We've said it 8 million times. This show is fucking we'll say good. Say it a fucking again. It's Brad Jen, good. high fives. This is great. You did a good job. <laughs> I can believe you've You're done very, this. very good at your job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. From the bottom of our hearts. If no one else has thanked you, let us thank you. Yeah. Um. Anyone else? I th- you were saying that I thought you were talking about like in the room like is anyone else having a big does, does anyone else want to say anything in this room? Anyone is- in the back? any just just the two of us okay (laughs) (laughs) um are there any other characters that you would wish do we need to talk about charlie or have we done enough with charlie the only thing that i'm going to say about charlie i think we've done enough actual talk about are you gonna say your your hopes and desires i'm gonna speak on my hopes and desires for charlie rambart shoot (laughs) um no i again we've just we've discussed he's a really good villain i enjoy him uh I feel like the only path that these kinds of villains have, which is like not a bad thing. I'm looking forward to this, hopefully, um, is like these cool, calm, collected villains, like at some point absolutely lose their shit um, in their like they kind of descend into madness. Right. Uh, I am so looking forward to that. Like, I, I'm i so excited. Like we have we have seen Admiral Charles Rampart a little bit upset in in certain places yeah, but he's like annoyed but he's, he's not like he's been annoyed or he, shit or like we're like oh he's unhappy about this but he's never like Incensed. launched out uh about that or like yeah uh he's never yelled at anyone in his rage or like he's never like i don't know um i'm so excited to see him absolutely flip his shit and just like 
just go insane yeah and i'm i'm interested by this because i feel like we've we talked about this obviously like a couple days ago but like the thought that like how are they going to make that happen because it has to be i mean obviously this is a show about the batch so it has to be in some way about the batch and like what the batch could potentially do that could make him go from cool calm collected to absolutely rip shit insane is yeah. uh, in a very fascinating mystery to me i'm very excited for it i i mean there is a potentiality that okay let me ask you this because mm-hmm. <laughs> i also have another i have an a note but a note okay let me ask you this though do you feel like they're setting uh rampart up to be the kind of villain that receives any kind of redemption in the end because i personally don't think so i don't think so either because Um, i think that role's being filled by crosshair correct that's my thought is that like crosshair's gonna have a fucking uh avatar season two zuko moment and then he's gonna uh, have to go back to the batch at some point or yeah. like you know whatever they're gonna team up etc uh rampart seems like kind of the role that thrawn filled in rebels uh-huh. where he is just a shitty dude that ends up getting deus ex machina by a big creature oh he you're saying he gets his just desserts he he gets his just he gets des- what's coming to him but it, it is in the a, form of a big creature <laughs> it's a deus ex machina a little bit really but it's one that i really enjoy okay okay um the bendu do call down oh, a, really? a storm and he gets fucking done like wow. he gets mortared um moited um but like i i and again this is my one note is like if he does kind of descend into madness not necessarily that thrawn did this in rebels he kind of just like gets hubrist mm-hmm. um <laughs> i love that as a verb um <laughs> but uh I- i'm interested to see how they could make these two characters more different from each other because Thrawn also is cool and calculating, but he's in like a very creepy way. Uh, Charlie is a lot more charismatic two-faced than Thrawn. Yeah. Thrawn is like, I talk like a snake, very quiet. And <laughs> he like, looks like a villain. He is a villain. Yeah, yeah. Again, I would say he about has Ted Bundy eyes, but his eyes are like full <laughs> red. So <laughs> he's scary. Yeah. Anyway. Um, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, we talked about before with it, like Rampart, is inten- probably intentionally looks like the most normal yeah, guy yeah, yeah. because no, like it's I, about it doesn't have to just because someone looks monstrous doesn't mean I they are monsters. Charlie Rampart a lot more charming than Thrawn. Not like no shade to Thrawn as a villain. Full and shade. Full shade to that fucker. Um, <laughs> he is really creepy, but he is uh he's uh, one flavor. He's creepy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Charlie does seem to be multi flavored. This guy. I'm. He's I'm, like swirl ice cream, but the worst kind. <laughs> um. <laughs> sorry that was really good um thank you (laughs) um but yeah so i'm so if he does do that you know and i'm really what i'm saying is just like going forward with his character i'm interested to see how he could essentially build to that point yeah where he descends into madness and if he does descend into madness do we think it's going to be like he actually thinks that he's not insane or do we think he's going to go full for Coca I, okay here's i guess descendant to badness is a strong term for like, what is i'm he gonna envisioning renfield it up no or? no 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 that's not what i it's, okay. he's not gonna get like gaslit by the batch it's <laughs> so, so hard it's just like you're insane now yeah no um, and then like some men in white coats come <laughs> and roll him away no that's not what i mean by okay. descendant to madness but like okay we've seen him be a uh, cool common collected calculating yeah um but like a to me correct me if i'm say. yes correct me if i am wrong but like 
Thrawn seems like I've calculated this bitch out so that like no like there's this is the only way that I could do this and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna win. But Charlie seems like I've thought about plans A through like P. Yeah. Uh, and I have like the P plot. Good pull. Thank you. Um, and I have a plan for everything in case something goes wrong. Like I have this. It's less of like, oh, I've calculated down to the millisecond and like, you know, yeah. exactly that is what's kind gonna of happen. Thrawn's vibe. Yeah, which makes sense. He's got more of like a kind of a Sherlock vibe exactly. to me. Yeah, that's a direct comparison people make. Great. Yeah. Uh, you guessed correctly. <laughs> Yay. But about the creepy man. <laughs> um <laughs> But, like, yeah, no, Charlie Rampart just feels like I'm going to give myself 18 backup plans so that if something goes wrong yeah. here, I can see when it goes wrong and I can pick the, the correct one. It's almost like he's not... Which... Sorry. No, sorry. Uh, which, to me, is, like, the batch is basically going to, like, upset that. And, like, what happens to Charlie Rampart when he runs out of backup plans? When he, like... Yeah. That how desperate, desperate. is... Yeah. I, I think desperate, maybe, is the better word yeah. instead yeah. of descent into madness. But how desperate... And how unhinged will he become yeah. when he That's has no more options? More of the vibe I'm thinking of, too. Yeah. Where, like, it is out of desperation and he is assured that this is still the correct thing to do. Yeah. That he's going to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by that, too. Because, like, yeah, I don't... As we've discussed, he's not really someone like Thrawn who is like, I am the best at what I do. And then... A, is gonna get murdered moited for, yeah for you know that gets hubris you know because yeah, again we, we talked about this i do not think charlie rampart suffers from the sin of hubris no he seems less again in it for power plays and more for the love of the game <laughs> which is like murdering people and political upsets but still so like yeah I, I don't think that could be the way that he goes right yeah. where he's just like so full of it that he like yeah you know gets his just desserts but yeah. like yeah so I, I i do think that's a cool and again, I'm interested to see how the fuck that could play out. I, we haven't seen him be particularly cruel either. I mean, no. he's like, he's... I mean, besides the fact that he fully murders Senator Ta, but like, also is Senator Ta. But I guess that's also what I'm talking about, where like, he's sort of the one that always is wearing the white gloves because he's never the one yeah. doing all of the, the yeah, horrible he things, is, right? He, he's... When is he going to be forced to... To do exactly that. yeah which is i think when his plans are gonna start unraveling yeah when he um, starts like watch like that none of this be the case yeah <laughs> and we're just like really going into like a wild like noir true crime i just love these kinds of villains i i, I love watching men become unhinged <laughs> that sounds a, like different than i know you intend it yeah to. No, I yeah, Unhinged I don't know how to qualify that. In an insane way. <laughs> in a in a satisfying way, in like a you're getting your just desserts way. Yeah, not yeah. not like no. a I, I don't love Ted there, Bundy. <laughs> God. Um like it would be really interesting to see him, like, yeah, what is the moment where he says, like, fine, I'll do it myself. Right. Right? Like and takes like a fucking pistol. Exactly. Right? You know, that's like, oh my god. Like, what I'm is, so excited for that. Enjoy our fuel for your <laughs> literary fire. Someone write, write me Charles Rampart fan fiction, please. Yeah, the ten people who write Charles Rampart fan fiction. Listen, once I'm done with my current work in progress, we'll think about it. Again, but... I do think that giving him a first name would maybe up the amount of fan. And fiction. his first name is Charles. And his first name is Charles. Charlie charles rampart he's gonna kick your ass um but have someone else do it uh yeah no i i'm interested to see where he's going i would say maybe even more than other characters yes me too yes <laughs> and you know this yeah 
Because okay. we talked about it two days ago. Yeah. That's all I have. Um, I don't really have any more for characters. Just the fact that like I want to see, I want to see more specific. Yeah. Um, I I think it is likely that we'll get, um, an episode that's like more focused on tech and record. Yeah. Maybe it's really hard because like as we've talked about this entire time, like this show is incredibly intentional. Like there's not necessarily a moment wasted, and like because of that, there's not always there's not an abundance of like quiet or slow moments, which yeah. uh, unless. And essentially what I'm trying to say with this is I understand that like what I am asking for probably doesn't fit into the like ethos of how this show runs. But I do really want some like quiet moments in the next season with especially Echo Tech and Wrecker, like where we get to see them as people. We've talked about, you know, Echo's relationship with his prosthetics and like, you know, just how tech operates and like all these things. Um, luckily i do think that we've seen like as the season has gone on we've seen more of them it's not yeah. like their screen time has remained static so i no. think it's hopeful to say that like we will get more of those yeah moments. yeah I, essentially I, I i understand that that is maybe a tall ask unless those moments specifically play into the course of the episodes but obviously we're gonna want these characters to have arcs so we're gonna need things that push them towards yeah. that and so we're gonna need to have moments, i have but faith that they will be able to work in moments that are not just like out of the blue um yeah. that are related to yeah. to plot because you know what they've done it in this season very they very have. beautifully so yeah absolutely um okay moving on to themes last themes corner last themes corner for now for now haha <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did just get the release day january 4th for season two, oh yeah so. i'm so glad that we um, didn't record the second half of this until we yeah. got the date for it yeah yeah Previously, we were working off of a September 28th uh, debut, um, which is why we've been putting out two episodes a week. Hey, it's okay. It's fine. We got it done. You know what's cool, though, is that our full um, catalog will be available. Exactly. You know, right before the new season, so people can listen along with us. Binge. Okay, themes. Themes. Um, Our first theme is always uh, hope. Um, And I don't have any notes other than a question, which is like, is Omega still this beacon of hope here? Has she changed at all in regards to this? Um, as we've talked about, I think, I don't know, it, it's more Are like, we hitting the nail on the head again? <laughs> yes. Or are we just absolutely hammering this nail into this piece of wood? Yeah, it's through the wood now. <laughs> into the I we love the Bad not, Batch house we are building. We're not doing anything. <laughs> we're breaking the wood. It's maybe not great that we deem doing this, but whatever. Um, I, I would say that like we talked about earlier like as Omega's character development has changed and as we've gone through this like I think she's still sort of a beacon of hope but she's like also changed like mm-hmm. specifically that conversation she has with Crosshair where she kind of like not like rescinds her goodness towards him but she's yeah. just like oh yeah you're a dick I was wrong <laughs> um <laughs> you know she says the word dick there yeah um <laughs> she's a very rude little girl yeah <laughs> she's a rude 11 year old or whatever <laughs> to be fair like same go for it um I was a rude 11 year old (laughs) (laughs) um but I think like you know her and again it's not that her goodness has like conditions or anything like that or her being a pillar of hope has conditions it's Mm -hmm. just that like she's growing up and understands things more and I think she still is there for people to like reach out to and like for her to like be an example for them and goodness and, and the possibilities of good things to come it's just um it's it's changed it's grown yeah i think a lot of the ways uh she's been sort of a pillar of strength for uh the rest of the batch in a way that is i guess uncommon again like back to our sort of like stereotype dynamics 
uh like usually it's the dad character that's like you know i am i am the strongest i will lead and you know all this stuff and whereas like we see hunter actually taking quite a few cues from her and like you know being able to become softened because there's the presence of this hopeful uh this pillar of hope and strength yeah um another question i'm going to ask on that is we've talked previously about how leia in in new hope is very much um uh, hope incarnate but like in kind of um i don't know in a way that feels a little bit relegated to just like the token female character in that movie Mm -hmm. at least to me it feels like that's just kind of like oh you're the woman so you are the one who kind of represents hope um it gets more nuanced as things go on Mm -hmm. um is there do we think omega is different than that do we think i think originally when we were talking about this it is it was we were saying that it was uh, refreshing that it was a little bit different. Than that. Yeah, I, I think it still is different. Um, like, I don't think that she's, uh, I don't think Omega has um, gone backwards in regards to no. that. Um, I, I think the underlying theme of Hope and Leia in uh, A New Hope is the fact that, A, she is part of the rebellion. She's the only character in that group when they all meet that is actively part of the rebellion. Um and then B, I obviously like they rely a lot on like the pristine female character. I mean, she's dressed in white, yeah, like, like literal visual. Yeah. yeah. Um, they they rely on that as like, a, oh, now that there's like a a pure female character who is, you know, I don't know. <laughs> she kind of in a weird way uh, with the white and everything is like, oh, she's like the beautiful pure maiden that it, we exactly. have to save yeah. in order to restore hope. Yeah, and, and like, the fact that like this Star Wars is like a sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Um, it's not strictly sci-fi. Um, it, yeah. That's kind of like another underlying, like that's why she is the beacon of hope that she yeah. is to them. Um but I think that uh, Omega is a beacon of hope because she offers an alternative. Mm. Um, and she is constantly challenging the rest of the boys. Like, she is, you know, the one who uh, is like, no, we have, you know, this is what soldiers do. We save people. Or, like, you know, someone needs help. We can do this. Like, which is, like, again, not that they're, like, out here being, like, we don't care. But you know that they're at least hunter's uh default in you know i have to protect my family that's a noble thing but she's basically like i'm going to challenge that and i'm going to give you hope that you can do both yeah um i I think that that's the difference is that she's a little more active in that it's not not so much a subtlety with her it is a um she she's not so much a a beacon i guess or like a shining light she's like an active force yeah that's a great point. I like the the thought that she's like kind of the the third option, the option that you didn't necessarily see was there, but is like yeah. I I don't know. She is she's really dynamic in that way. And yeah. again, no shade to like Carrie Fisher, obviously, because we love no. Adore I think her. honestly, if they had gotten anyone else to play her, Leia would have been just like a cardboard cutout, yeah. right? I think Carrie Fisher really brought a lot of life to Absolutely. that character and and made her more than what I think the original intention for Leia was. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Uh, we we hear love, love Carrie Fisher. Stand Carrie Fisher very hard. Yes. Um, she injected a lot of like life and personality yes. into that character again. That kind of was relegated to a maybe not great role. Um, I'll say it, <laughs> <laughs> and you should. Thank you. Um, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, our next one is good versus evil. I I, think I have no notes for this. Neither do I. Uh, <laughs> it's Star Wars. What do you want me to say well, about here's it? here's the thing. Like, yeah, usually I think good versus evil, it, dark side, light side is a um, a huge theme. This, I in this show, I just don't think it is quite the theme that uh, it, it it is in the other stories. To be stories. fair, going through the whole season and now here at the end, it makes sense why that this theme particularly has kind of dropped off, faded away, I would yeah. say. Because at the beginning, as we talked about, it was just like a big homage to Clone Wars, yeah, right? Exactly. And like it made sense that that was still there. And that kind of did carry through for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so honestly refreshing now that I'm thinking about it, like having a season finale and just like a really great episode that has jack shit to do with the force. Right. Yeah. Like, it's so nice that instead of having a conversation of like, are you just like effectively doing like cosmic good or cosmic evil? Like, you know, we now have a conversation about choices, uh, which I think is a lot more interesting and human and charming. Um, so I, I kind of like that good versus evil is kind of just like left. Yeah. And like, I guess there's an argument to be made that like in characters sort of, um, you know, dipping more into the dark side or dipping more into the light side, like that is kind of the power of choice in a way. But like, yeah. again, it becomes so cosmic and it's almost like because it's so unrelatable, there's like the choice aspect of it kind of has been taken out. Like yeah. it's almost relegated to uh, in a lot of characters, especially like kylo ren i'm thinking of uh that like oh it's it's less of a choice and more of a like you're being seduced by the dark side and like you've been sort of like trapped there and like people are trying to help you but you're not letting them um that i'm so glad we don't see that in this show that being said um it is so much about just like the power of choice we literally see throughout the season the barriers to choice being removed from the clones uh you know inhibitor chips that's what i'm talking about um Yep. <laughs> to the point where like they are they have free will it's not about um a prescribed destiny anymore yeah. that was sort of like this illusion this facade that was placed on them and now has been like completely taken off and now we're we're looking at them barefaced just as they are and the choices that they're making and it's very just yeah no illusions yeah and i like that sorry one of the questions we have down here is like what makes this a good story theme uh, what makes it compelling? And yeah. I feel like truly so easily. I wrote that question for you. Oh, so easily uh, summed up is like, it's so incredibly human. Like, yeah, it's just. We're, we're talking specifically about the power of choice yeah. as a theme now. It's... We've moved on from good and evil. Yeah. Sorry. We, we, we it was such a smooth transition. Yeah. Look at us. I just um, wanted to make that clear for yeah, yeah, yeah. listeners. Uh, it's a great, a great point. Yeah. No, I, I, as we've talked about, especially with design, like when it comes to like, what are we doing? What is the story telling us that like supports and creates it to be a good story like what are those things that are happening and i feel like obviously this as we've talked about it good versus evil kind of transitioning into power of choice Mm -hmm. um it's like so much less when you take the cosmic element out of it it stops being a fantasy like a fairy tale and it starts being something that you can really relate to as a person and like we're all people with choices we've talked about this and it's just like what a kick-ass way to like finish out a season Uh, it essentially like started us with something familiar and has transitioned us into a really new way of thinking in star Wars, Mm -hmm. uh, in like a really lovely, gentle, incredible way. Like it just did it in a great way. I fucking love this show. (laughs) 
I think that that's always been part of the charm in Clone Wars 2 when you see the Jedi um, teaming up with like their clone forces where it's like there's these incredible mythical warriors that yeah. are like insane. Like and, classics heroes. Yeah. And teamed up with like these guys who are just like... <laughs> My friend who, like, Joe. Don't, I mean, they're really cool, but like they don't have any magical powers. And then like they were literally like made to do this one thing. Yeah. And like you still like that's where you see so much heart. And like I think you do see a lot of um heart and goodwill coming from the clones directed like towards jedi as well like i think you see a lot of the times jedi learning from them um rather than like you would think it would be that like they these normal people would learn from these mythical heroes when really like a lot of the times it is sort of the other way around i don't have any examples for that no that's fine um this is what i wanted to bring back uh talking about omega and that conversation she has with crosshair um because clearly we haven't talked about it enough um yeah uh but again this is just sort of on the note that uh of how omega has been treated like a full human um person um i I love that she gets to um see we get to see her disappointed at a choice that crosshair makes at the choice crosshair makes she she expresses that like she i was wrong and like i have to let that fact sink in and like that doesn't mean that i'm angry with you or uh, that i hate you or whatever but like i I think a lot of the times women and especially children are kind of reduced in story to being like this oracle of innocence and like the ones who are always kind of the ones with the right answers that nobody believed and like of course you were right about santa claus and all this kind of stuff you know (laughs) like uh, and like you, you just had the childlike wonder and like uh, ability to believe in anything, and like of course you were right. Um, I love that we're seeing her be kind of wrong about that. Mm. Um, in Crosshair, where she just was like expressing so much goodwill to him, and again, like you said earlier, it's not necessarily that her goodwill is being subtracted from, but um, she's growing. She grows. We see her grow both physically and skills in this season, and she also learns a sort of heartbreak. Um, yeah, which is perhaps one of the worst heartbreaks that you can learn when it comes from like your own family and your own flesh and blood making a decision that surprises and disappoints you and is almost directly harmful to you. Like that's a hard thing to do. And I'm so glad that we get her experiencing this as a character uh, rather than her. I don't know. I think the alternative would have been Crosshair being like, you know what? You're right. And then like (laughs) Omega being like, I am right. Thank you. Like, (laughs) yeah. Basically learning that like, love can't solve everything it's you know whether or not it's not how much it's not that you didn't love your brother enough it's not that you know it's just that sometimes people make their own decisions that are so against what you want uh and and you have to just let them do that that's a great point i i feel like uh understanding her her role in this as like or at least her what we've seen of her experiencing heartbreak in a way right like it's I don't know it it adds another layer of like to her very like dynamic character it's nice yeah it's nice that she's not just like relegated to this like innocent pure thing that we have to protect and uphold and like she doesn't know any better like we have to do it because we're the strong men it's just like stupid when female characters are relegated to that sort of weird box um so it's nice that yeah she does get to like I don't know, just be a person and like also get to experience like negative emotions. And like, I don't know, again, she's a, she's a real person. Yeah. Which I really, I I love that they took the time every step of the way to like, make sure that we knew that. Yeah. 
should we transition to some extra thoughts? Yeah. Should I, I'll just start with my sort of... Um, yeah, what's your extra thought? My extra thought's sort of um, appropriate that it's coming off of the heels of what I just talked about with Omega, but um, I'm really glad that in these two episodes, as Kamino is being destroyed violently and terribly, mm-hmm. um, I, that they gave her these moments to just, like, reflect on that. And, and like, I'm specifically thinking about when they're running through the halls and they come across the uh like what are those called the like pods that like the embryos or like the fetuses would be oh oh in the like cloning like, yeah platform. in the yeah um and she just stops and like i think i think that's when wrecker is just like come yeah. on we have to keep going um but like it stops and i think that's like just off the heels of like seeing all of the stills yeah it is uh which like again so heartbreaking um i, I love that they gave her moments of that to mourn this past because like even though clearly a lot of the things that happened to her here were quite traumatic and like she really wanted to leave uh with the batch and see you know the rest of the world like it's still the only life that she knew for a while and it was still like her home um and it it really does feel like a good proxy for the audience that grew up with clone wars seeing all of this stuff just be completely destroyed um and and it's just being gone like it is no more. Yeah. You can't come back to it. I feel like it's interesting in, I don't know, it, it, a lot of the times it is it is difficult to return to places where like tra- traumatic events have happened to you. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like there's a finality there that like you could never return if you wanted to. Like it, and it wasn't you who made this decision yeah. to destroy this. Yeah, so like absolutely. in a weird way, like there's been something taken from you. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, they didn't, have conversations around that but like i don't know it was clear to me that these episodes were done with like a care that was it wasn't just like anyway and that was destroyed let's move on like yeah no yeah. i think that's a fair point it's really interesting to um come at that and an- and analyze it nope analyze, analyze it, it from the perspective of like this is like i don't know it's suffering a loss it is like a tragedy it's like it's almost like a loved one has died yeah. right where like you are uh, it, things will never be the same the world physically looks different now because like this place is no longer there. Like, it's just kind of like, it is weirdly like a, a part of your childhood, like being destroyed. Right. And yeah. like for us people who watch Clone Wars, it's a great point that like it, it, I think really hits so tragically because like, like in the first episode, they know that their audience is people who probably grew up with Clone Wars or at least have watched it. And so we do have like a really big emotional attachment to this. Like, mm-hmm. And here at the end, they know exactly that it's still the same audience and they understand that that can hit really, really hard because of that, because of what we've seen. This is a really familiar space to us. Yeah. Um, I like your note that this is like a really a nuanced way to portray this. I think yeah. nuanced is a good word to win, to say there. It is. The show is quite nuanced. That's all I had. Okay, for your note? <laughs> for my note, my, my unrelated note. Um, you want to talk about design? Yeah. Uh, d- first of all, do we have anything, any notes about pacing in these episodes? Um, I Mostly just my thoughts are that it's really fucking good and has a way of doing that like up and down ebb and flow pacing that we've talked yeah. about really well. Yeah. Um, and I do think that the two episodes, the way they connect are really... Um, I mean, like, it's directly, like, the exact moment back-to-back, but, like, the way that they flow into each other, I think, works really well. But there almost wouldn't be the same, um, like, it would hit so different if if it was another sort of, like, 75-minute episode, like, the pilot. Like, because there's a break, you kind of catch your breath and be like, oh, holy shit, what just happened? Um, 
now that they, I mean, that's a huge payoff from like setting up the rest of the fucking season. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously they couldn't do that in the pilot because yeah. they hadn't set anything up yet. Um, yes. All that to say, pacing is very good. This whole show's pacing has been really, really amazing. I particularly really like it. It's just like there's a part. So it's kind of in the middle of these two episodes, kind of where like post Camino uh getting shot at like when everything's getting destroyed and like everything's falling and stuff there's just like this really um once again operatic moment of like there's the music like volume actually is like a lot louder and they're not really saying anything and it's just like things being destroyed and that's when like the hallways tilts and like yeah you know i think oh, when crosshair so and omega get stuck in one part and it's at the top of the of um, 16, 16 yeah. yeah like all of that happening like has this really really bookending tragic yeah element to it and i like that after that it's a fairly i would say quiet um you know because yeah. it's just them on the bottom of the fucking ocean trying to figure out what's going on it's not necessarily like super actiony until they (laughs) get into the pods and that part but um even that like has these like elements of like quiet tragedy to them and i really do like that like that is kind of a bookend on this you know series is like we really do start with a tragedy in order 66 and we see that in a way Mm -hmm. through kanan's eyes right and Mm -hmm. it is i think we mentioned they're very operatic very tragic um in you know master balaba being like no caleb you have to go and him turning back and we see seeing his face and stuff like i I like that we are starting and ending on these like huge tragedies that hit really close to home for us clone wars viewers yeah um and i think they keep the pace really well throughout these episodes that keep us really interested but i think have kind of like what you were mentioning with omega kind of give us time to like emotionally grieve these things that are happening Mm -hmm. um they're not trying to like constantly one-up tragedy like i think no. this happens in like game of thrones a lot where it's just like oh we killed like ned stark who we're gonna kill next and like oh it's gonna be worse and so much like they sadder. really do exponentially compound the shitty things that and it's just like show. okay now i'm just kind of watching a show about a bunch of sad things happening and like the pacing is bad <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad and i don't like it like it's sad like i feel like it's again it can really be summed up in the writing advice of like uh, kill your darlings like y- you can't spend too much on like you know this this one concept and sometimes your darling is killing is the concept of killing (laughs) characters well but i mean like they really were like what's the tragedy here right like this is going to be the big tragic moment and then the rest will have its purpose but it's not like we're not trying to manipulate the audience into feeling sad. We, we, they feel sad. You're saying that batch ha- knows yeah, its purpose. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, a batch is saying we don't need to manipulate our audience okay. into feeling sad. Yeah. We're just showing them these, these things that are sad and like they have this weight yeah. to them. And then we're not, we're going to give them moments to like reflect on that and like, holy shit. And then it's over. Like, here's the rest of the episode. Yeah. Like, it's not it's, like, what's the next sad thing that's going to yeah. happen? Yeah, to be fair, I do think, like, the second half of 16 or 16 in general is, like, a, a, a sadder, more mournful episode, especially yeah. when it comes to, like, AZ and stuff. But that has purpose. And it isn't, like, it's not that the whole episode is conversations either. It's not necessarily that the whole episode is, like, big action things. It's It has a really nice way of, like, floating in the balance of those two things and, like, just giving us a story that feels like the end of something in a really yeah. satisfying way exactly um that's all i had to say about that okay. um we can talk about design now julia's design it's corner. julia's design corner that's Tell gonna me. be a lot Tell um me about your design corner hi so like i mentioned not 10 minutes ago probably <laughs> um i i 
want to reiterate, because I brought this up in the first episode, why we talk about design. What design can do for animation and really anything, uh, but animation in particular, because it can do it very well. Um, really, so it's like, what are the choices that are made? How do they support the story? Is there anything that can be improved upon? I don't generally have notes about things being improved upon. Why? Because I'm not the, I'm not the designers who made this show. <laughs> They're incredible. They do a good job. Yeah. I'm just here talking about things that I think did great jobs. Anyway, um, I, great I, was, jobs. <laughs> I was talking to my family uh, this week about our podcast and um, I was explaining the like fact that it's kind of a review show yeah. and uh, my cousin was like, oh, so you get to say like, well, I liked, I didn't like how they did this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the gist, but like most of it is like, we really like how they did this because yeah. we think that they did a really fantastic yeah. job on this show. Like partially, like I'm like, I am not at a place in my des- design career to me where I feel like I could be like, I don't think this was good enough. I could do better. <laughs> like, fuck no. Like, of course not. But like, yeah, also, I feel the same with writing. If I was just, right. I, who am I to give these yeah, people exactly. writing? <laughs> <laughs> because this show is really fucking good. Yeah. And I think in analyzing it, like, I, I feel like maybe some rando could come into this show and be like, well, actually, I think it should be this. It's like, no, no, no. If you sit down and analyze yeah, exactly. it and understand that these things are so purposeful, you'll understand that these people are working with like an incredible mastery of writing and design. Like, yeah. you know, so who are we to comment on it? Yeah. I don't have a lot of negative feedback, you know? No. Yeah. That, like, that was all to say. Neither do I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Neither of us do. Um, but I, I wanted to bring up some great things that I think uh, are an interesting way to support the story. Uh, we can talk about color first because Let's. this has been my shtick this whole time is like this um, little uh, theory that I have that like when color is very active in, in the world around the batch, it's sort of when they're like learning new things, they're exploring, you know, it's different than Camino. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see coming back to Camino, what that is kind of wrapping up to be and if my theory is actually kind of correct, which I'd like to say, I think it is kind of a little bit correct. I Um, think so. Thank you. Um, But yeah, like even in these two episodes, 15 and 16, whenever Charlie fucking Rampart is present, (laughs) um, the, I mean, it's again, it's like the monster movie lighting and the rain and all that stuff. Like it's really overt and like, he's my little monster movie guy. He's, It's my little Frankenstein's monster. Um, (laughs) It's Frankenstein and his monster together. Um, (laughs) To be fair, it's a little Charlie Rampart is Dr. Frankenstein and a little bit Crosshair is his monster, but okay. <laughs> um, True. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it is, it's interesting to see that Camino continues to be the Camino color palette. It's super muted, but like thing as things progress, more color gets introduced and it gets introduced in interesting ways. Obviously like explosions and that sort of thing that kind of call to an end of the era. And also I think most particularly the last, um, uh, scene we get when they go back to the Marauder is like a huge like final nail in the coffin in a good way of this theory where it like it makes a lot of sense it wraps it up really nicely like how color is reintroduced now that Camino and the Empire their influence is gone from this place yeah, right it stops right it's almost like it was a corrupting force yeah. right it cursed this place and their lives and the lives of all of these people and when they're when it's gone from them you know color returns it's mm-hmm. these like really really soft morning like pinks and blues mm-hmm. a new day a new day indeed. And I feel like it was really like a refreshing choice, right? So I do think, you know, where the Empire is concerned, color becomes very muted. The world becomes very dark. But, you know, when the Batch is uh, is free to make choices and, and have new experiences, like they are in a world of full color. Um, and I think that was a really smart thing that they did. It really communicates the story that they're trying to tell. Um, 
that's what design is here to do. Um, the one weird red herring that I wanted to talk about yes. is when Hunter, uh, when Crosshair brings Hunter into Camino and they're talking and they're in, in some like weird zag chair room. Yeah. That, uh, and it's just got like a bunch of projections everywhere. Like it's like a comm center or something yeah. like that. The projections are like the wildest colors. They're yeah. literally like yellow and purple and red. We've never seen, I mean, I think we've seen similar things in probably a Clone Wars episode or something in Camino, but like they've never been this bright and this colorful it's, and this many colors. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. It's wild to me that that is the palette that was picked. And I know that this is getting so into it. And some person was just like, probably like, I need to do this task. Someone assigned to me. I'm going to choose these colors. But like the fact that it's like yellow and purple and red, which aren't necessarily like exactly any sort of like color theory situation. Mm -hmm. Like they're not necessarily complimentary mm-hmm. um they're not necessarily analogous they're not next to each other on the color wheel it's just kind of these weird really bright colors um but it's specifically when hunter and crosshair are having a conversation and when we start having the conversations with crosshair about his like weird opinions and like what he's trying to do here um it is interestingly breaking up the monotony of camino and i don't know if they just did that to visually break up kind of the mm-hmm. grays and the whites and the blues um or if this kind of did um it was sort of the hearkening of potentially something happening. Um, it is really severe colors, I will say, though, versus the end of this episode with the Marauder yeah. is very soft colors. It yeah. feels very, like, hopeful in a way. These colors are very aggressive. It is interesting to note that I think that that's the point when when Hunter is, like, when Crosshair, like, almost fills the beans. Yeah, yeah he, it is. Um, ha- does not have his inhibitor chip in. Um, and, and it starts the conversation of them kind of opening up, like, what, what do you do? Like, you know. Yeah. It's when Hunter goes, it's the chip. And then like something is, that's when the batch gets there, when that alarm goes off and they're like, oh, they arrived. And they're like, oh, we're going to go do this thing now. It's weird. Cause like, there's also like a lot of, I think it's the rest of Crosshair's uh, squad is in the rest of that room. Yeah. Um, I think it's only them, but it's interesting because the, because they're in that room and the colors, uh, are so bold. It feels like very busy room. Yeah versus like the corridors outside that, that are, are completely empty and yeah. white um yeah it is kind of interesting it's almost like they want you to think there's more going on here yeah um, it is purposely visually busy yeah which is a little confusing to me but it's fascinating i guess not confusing but it's like okay this didn't really like lead to a I don't know. Maybe I'm just not seeing the connection. Yeah, no. Or I, maybe it was just sort of like, I don't know. This is a boring scene. We need color. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. So like my, right, my theory is that like, you know, color is introduced in these really specific ways. It It is. It's designed by people, right? Like to, to be these ways with the one red herring of this situation where like, I don't know what the connection is. I'm interested. It is kind of in an important thing. I'm wondering if they're just, they use that to break up a bunch of scenes that were all kind of like gray, blue, white, mm-hmm. or if this was actually supposed to be like a, a metaphor metaphorically yeah. used right um it's just such a contrast to like the white hallways that we see in Camino. yeah a- and also the just like black training room that they yeah go yeah. into um a- another thing uh, the question that you can obviously ask when it comes to color and lighting is like what emotions are uh, motivating those color choices because mm-hmm. obviously they're they're pretty much there to convey a feeling um you can see this a, a lot and I would say like 2D, older 2D animation, especially I would say one of my favorites is like Sleeping Beauty. When it comes to 
Maleficent's castle. It's crazy colors and it's super dark and it's supposed to represent a sort of like vibe, right? Um, it's interesting with this, right? Because the uh, the empire is kind of like represented in sort of a dark and I would say bland way. They're essentially without any personality yeah. um, is the point of that. And I think they're supposed to feel really overwhelming, obviously, with their like super dark colors. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, I sort of do a check off. Mm-hmm. do a little I, I i think i got that one pretty all right i don't yeah. know again i would love to ask someone who worked on this what their sort of ethos was about it um okay now on to some shots some shots that we see that i like <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take some shots of tequila right now right now <laughs> at five twelve on a tuesday oh boy. um it's five o'clock so <laughs> it's five twelve somewhere the drinking hour <laughs> the drinking hours <laughs> um okay um, I wanted to talk about compositions. Yes. So we talked about compositions in the first episode, mm-hmm. in like the first 10 minutes. An important part of that. Yes. Um, and we sort of posited that um, visually they were creating lines between Crosshair and the rest of the batch with the way that the shots were set up, who was included with what. You know, in particular, there's a, a scene where Crosshair is in like the crazy foreground, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And he's out mm-hmm. of focus while everyone else is in focus. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just these like really specific ways that you can create differences. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought is, how do they do almost the opposite of that here at the end of the season, right? Because we are kind of in a way coming together. They do have to work together. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I would say, in particular, we see this in it's episode 16. It's when they get down to their old quarters, um, which I think is very telling that they do this then. I think they probably have done it before in the episode. I just specifically remember this instance where this is kind of like where we finally see a shot of them all together, like all together. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they're walking into their quarters, um, it's like, you know, the members of the batch, Hunter and then Crosshair at the back, and he's sort of like lagging behind. Um, And he gets like centered in the doorway while um, the rest of the batch is kind of littered I would say in the foreground on the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of makes some comment, which Hunter, I believe responds to, but it's interesting that he is, uh, Crosshair is legitimately in a box. Like he's in a, in a rectangle, right. In the composition mm-hmm. because he's in a doorway. Um, and I was like, it's really interesting that he's like literally boxed in. Yeah. He is continuing to be there. He wants to be there. He's lagging behind. Right. Yeah. And he is separated f- by, you know, by really strong vertical lines Mm -hmm. to the batch visually, which obviously conveys a lot of like difference between them. This is super reading into this probably, but like, no, this is good though. I mean, it's just like, I wanted to, they they definitely, at least in this scene specifically, I think also because they're in their old quarters, which is like the grounds where they used to like be able to come together. Like now it being just like different. I like that. It's like, we see them in the same shots together finally. And like, it, as though like it was it's a shadow of what it used to be right yeah like, exactly it's not exactly the same there's some differences between them but they still are at least kind of together right well, yeah they're being forced to like work together like yeah, you said exactly. earlier whereas like the rest of the season sans the pilot uh we've been seeing them be at op- at odds at yeah. opposites so it's almost like uh, i kind of like wanted to sum it up as like essentially they're not necessarily completely together but they're like I don't know. It's <laughs> I love that I was like to sum up and then I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um it's not the same as it was. They're not exactly together, but there is like the hint that that could be something. Yeah. Um and you know, they have to work together, but like right after when they walk in uh and they're talking about like how to get out whatever and Omega is like, "Oh hey, great news, we landed on top of the tube." 
the tube um (laughs) um you know they start you know talking about that and she's like oh we can go out that way um there's a shot of literally all of them it's like you know uh, omega and az in the front and then it's you know obviously all the boys and there is like a specific gap i think between like it's hunter and echo Mm -hmm. there's like a little tiny gap in the back Mm -hmm. and like it remains empty Mm -hmm. for a while until crosshair does walk in from like the darkness in the background i think he's still in the doorway um and that is when like for the first time in a really long time they are all in the same shot united there's no borders between them they are just kind of there to be fair crosshair immediately makes a dick of a comment yeah um and then does kind of pull back um (laughs) so i like that it's kind of like we're teasing a little bit like it's not necessarily like oh don't you want this but it's kind of like remember how things used to be it's too like a lot of the shots setting up these like lines being drawn in the pilot were kind of unintentional not not unintentional from the designer's point of view but like crosshair wasn't at odds completely yet right but they were setting that up yeah this is sort of like they know they're at odds (laughs) they know they're odds but it's like crosshair's pov of like oh, the empty space is still a little bit open. Can I take it? Yeah, yeah. And then immediately him being like, uh, almost kind of like rejecting it. Like, yeah. no, I don't need this anymore. I, like I- in his immediate sort of like comment and being a dick about things. Exactly. Like I like that. Um, like it's intentional in his part. Yeah, though. yeah, exactly. Uh, once again, he, the ball is in his court. Yeah. It's, it's the onus is on him to make the choice to come back. He doesn't. But like, yeah. you know, it's nice that like and interestingly that we get like an entire sort of tableau of all of them sans crosshair and then crosshair does walk in like mm-hmm. it's i think an interesting like they will always leave a space for him and also like he has the opportunity to come in if he wants to he kind of doesn't right now but the space is always there right um i like that they did that i yeah. like again that we get a little bit of a bookend here uh we've talked a lot about the stills of camino mm-hmm. do we want to talk about any more um of this We've kind of talked about how they're liminal. They feel very liminal. Um, yeah, it's that it kind has of like heart- eerie nature to it, it. It's eerie in like a heartbreaking way too, because like you know what all these things are used for, and like they're they've had their last use. They're gone. They're they're done now. Like, um, which is just sort of a weird concept for yeah. this sort of facility. But I think we've talked about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot. Um, I was gonna say I just you know once again think it's a really well done. It's it, it's really well done, and we haven't seen something like that before in Star Wars, and I think they really uh, kicked a lot of ass, um, it's, um, including that. Yeah, to, to speak about it as, like, a viewer who loves the Clone Wars and grew up on the Clone Wars, like, I appreciate that they didn't try to overdo the emotionality of it. Like, those just simple, like, music playing over these stills. Um, like, they're so empty, too, that, like, you d- almost don't even know if they're stills or if it's, yeah. like, a... a, a yeah, like a, if it's, a real if, almost. Yeah, yeah. A, like a security camera. Footage, yeah, but there's like, just no people there. That also layer is um, yeah. pretty insane. Um, but like, again, like for people who that means a lot to, like those are incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I appreciate they didn't have to, they didn't try to go overboard with the like, yeah. it's so sad. And I'm like, yeah. Es- essentially, it would have been an interesting flip on this because obviously this is done like so well, right? Um. If you really, like, laid on thick the tragedy of, like, you see someone, like, being, like, please save me or, like, someone weeping, you know, like, it it would have been so ridiculous and over the top, right? Like, you know, it's not, it it wasn't necessarily, like, what you needed in that moment. Like, I think what is so powerful is the fact that it is, I don't know, simple and clean and without any sort of human presence. Like, essentially, us as the viewers get to interpret it as we will. 
because of our personal experience i mean it's so like like grief and 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 like uh tragedy is like a hole in your heart and essentially they are like echoing that emptiness yeah exactly that it's like oh my god wow look at us wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know it's just it's so good and like i think not unlike we talk with writing where it's a lot with a little like visually like that is supported as well and i think the designers the the board artists and the the color artists and literally everything every person who decides on these things like they have such a mastery of these things too i really 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 like specifically wanted to call that out because it's it's every in every single way this show kicks ass and is so good it it does yes um there's just some like really cool shots just like in general, just like for me yeah. that I wanted to call out. Talk about them. Um, I mean, we talked about, uh, I think we actually did talk about this, is that like when Omega and AZ and Crosshair are stuck in the flooding, mm-hmm. you know, hallway bit, the fact that like it's completely dark. Like yeah. I, I should have called this out when we were um, talking about color, but the fact that they are not afraid to go super dark yeah. with values, I really, really appreciate. Um, again, sometimes you'll see with older 3D animated things where like they are afraid to go dark and everything is like weirdly ambiently lit, even though it's like completely full night outside or yeah. something like that. And you're like, this is weird. Uh, everything is shiny. I don't understand why. <laughs> um, I really appreciate that the show is not afraid to go super dark. Um, that happens uh, in the beginning of 15 when they're on the landing platform and they first get to Camino. Uh, but it happens here when AZ is looking around for Omega in the dark, right? Yeah. And he like, we don't even see her or crosshair. Mm-hmm. It's so dark um and his like headlight lights you know sweep around and then we see her like that's such an interesting way to create a focal point like instead of it just being um completely apparent right off the bat it's like uh, the intrigue that you're you're fostering Um, in the audience at some point i mentioned this but like when it comes to character animation i guess this kind of qualifies because it's az moving but like it creates a dimensional world that we the viewers become part of intrigue in a way right Mm -hmm. because it's not just given to us we have to find it and we're finding it with the character we become part of the story essentially um again being an audience is participatory it is like we are adding our own understandings to these things as well and like our experiences are like valued and i don't know i like that it's supported through the artistic the visual sense as well mm-hmm. um i'm so glad that they let us be participatory yeah. rather than just like i'm gonna shove it down your exactly throat. like just let yeah. it be super apparent and yeah. again like this has a lot to do with like the type of show and the visuals and like what type of animation it is and the budget and who's working on it but like <laughs> you know it's it's unending factors but i love that like what we got out of this show is such an incredible example of it um i hope i hope and wish more shows would have like i don't know as time goes on and potentially we have more people doing these jobs like we can we can create more dimensional and being spaces. paid well for these and jobs please, for the love of god pay them more money um, they deserve it they do yeah so um there's just like some really kick-ass wide shots in this um i have one of them this is, show is not afraid of a wide shot it's not uh, and we've and talked about this before. we have but that's a good thing yeah. it is a really again here at the end we can talk about it again the fact that they're not afraid for their characters to be fucking tiny in the frame and how powerful of a message that conveys i love it like you know when they're running through the tunnel and i said my big beautiful lady comes i'm talking about the gigantic the the sea monster monster um i (laughs) i i love that the characters are so tiny and like I love how overwhelmingly blue and gray and dark it is. And like, but in a different way than like the empire's presence is blue and yeah, gray and yeah, dark. Yeah. It's like more it's, of an air of mystery. Yeah. It, it feels a little bit more. I yeah. mean, obviously you're on the, they're on the fucking ocean floor. It's more blue than it is gray. Yeah. Um, uh, 
wide shots um talking about those uh yes y- no, yes <laughs> we've just been we've just been playing mass effect right so yes. like every time uh up until like i think we just saw we just started mass effect 3 um yeah. so really truly throughout the entire trilogy of mass effect whenever the normandy flies into the citadel which is supposed to be fucking gigantic right yeah like huge the normandy the ship not supposed to be that big it's well, also it's not that big like it's a big ship but like compared to like a a space station that like millions of people live on i'm pretty sure um and is like the seat of like galactic government yeah uh whenever they fly into the citadel i'm just like this scale is so off and it like really really takes me out of like like i i want to be like wow me i want to be wowed by the size of this thing because like again with this like idea of like oh the galaxy is like in a full-scale war now and it's scary and like look at all these people that could potentially die like i want that like that is an important factor and like again i just feel like this the game suffers from main character syndrome too much and the fact that like like you said they're afraid to lose the Normandy in, in this wide shot of yeah. like, you know, it's okay. We're still going to understand that like Shepard is the main character and like where the main characters, like we get it, but like there are stakes now and like, and uh, not saying that there's an equivalent wide shot in this series, but like they just do that so well. They do have a grander uh, knowledge of scale. Yeah. The yeah. scale really helps seeing things really big where our characters are very small is very uh, intriguing and suspenseful. Yeah, and, and it's telling of like the stakes yeah, that we find this, ourselves exactly. in. Exactly. Like, it explains that the st- here's the stakes. Like our heroes are heroes, but they're still people. They're tiny. Yeah. Yeah. No. And um, I mean, shout out to like a lot of animated things. Why I kind of have a very sweet spot for animation is because they're able to do these things so well, like scale specifically yeah. can be absolutely insane proportions right in the animation because things don't have to necessarily be super realistic. It's different a little bit in this show, obviously because it's 3d animated. Um, I encourage y'all to, to rewatch or watch the uh, beautiful uh, Disney 2d animated classic Hercules, which has some of the best use of scale I've ever seen. Uh, when it comes to making your characters very tiny. Um, but it just kicks ass. And it just, like, it really uh, illustrates the point of, like, how, what the odds our characters are up against. And also just, in general, the scale of things. We really understand. And, like, in this part, when they're running through the tunnel and my big beautiful lady comes, we're really getting the f- understanding of how fucking bad this is. Exactly. Um, like, and it, it communicates it in one shot. Mm-hmm. We don't need any exposition of yeah. God that's a big lizard. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We, no one needs to say we need a bigger boat. Or no whatever. one needs to say we need a bigger we need a boat. Bigger, we, we need, need a, a bigger, bigger tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I, I think that can communicate um, sort of an emotional emptiness too. So the next one I have written down is just like when Az is letting Omega's pod go. I almost said pot go. Um, <laughs> um. When, when AZ is letting Omega's pod go and they're uh, underwater and like it's like a super wide I wrote wide wide shot down um but it has this like beautiful emptiness to it and because yeah. they're in the water they're moving really slowly and like it just like I think communicates that emotional point really well I don't know again it's like you feel hollow on the inside when these like tragedy yeah. tragic things happen right and yeah. so we're presented with a huge open space and like 
you know, it, it feels overwhelming, the odds. Yeah, it appropriately makes the audience feel smaller. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, it's just, it's just so good. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is just I really like that we go back to the Marauder sitting on a landing pad multiple mm-hmm. times throughout these episodes. Um, I like it as, like, an anchor um, to us and kind of remembering the Batch and who they are and, like, what they've been through. I like that the Marauder now has, like, a lot of different, like, colors. And it's kind of become scarred and has its own sort of visual mm-hmm. history now. And I like that we keep seeing it, like, three times, I think, throughout the episodes. Um it's sans the batch um yeah. and i just i don't know like especially there's one where like it's alone and camino is burning behind mm-hmm. it and like it just i don't know it also communicates that like emotionality but it also is more of like a remember what to go back to and like remember that this is kind of in a way like the is a pillar throughout all of this and yeah. like it is our i don't know anchor throughout this story and of, and of course when we go back to the marauder at the end which is like one of my favorite shots um and everything's just this really I don't know, crisp, clean, kind, morning colors. It's just like, it's nice that like we were kind of like reminded of that throughout these episodes. And then we finally get to see it again. We finally get to see the batch like and their goal and they've made their goal. And like, I don't know, like it it has a lot of, I don't know, feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to go back to the same shot kind of over and over again, um, just throughout something. Again, it's one of those like, it's it's really doing something for these two episodes like it creates almost like a stability in all of this insanity yeah um it's also too like really poignant in that like the marauder is being seen um before Doreen and after the destruction of camino which was once the home yeah and you're seeing that like okay this is what we have yeah now yeah yeah absolutely um, and again, like kind of like we talked about with those stills of Camino, like it is it's wild to see like this sort of visual thing used, not necessarily a motif because I don't even have like a, a what it's conveying. But like it's just like I don't really know any other place in Star Wars that we've seen this be used before. Like I don't think st- yet to this point, which like, fuck, yeah, I love that we've gotten here. Um just like the air of tragedy that it has Mm -hmm. and understanding and emotion that they're able to use just with like a still shot of something outside of the insanity that's happening. Like, it's just like, I, again, I applaud the people who worked on this to like understand, to be able to convey and convince and like work things with this like visual mastery. It's just like, I don't know. This is me rambling, but (laughs) no, it's, it's really like the, um, (laughs) it's really the like picture equivalent of like baby shoes for sale never worn (laughs) yeah (laughs) like (laughs) saddest story in like five words or whatever yeah 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 where it just like it's so concise and it's so perfect and like i don't know i hope the people who work on this know how good it the thing is that they made like it's and i'm so excited to see what they do in the next season we've talked about this so many times but like it's sort of a artists uh and creative people's fatal flaw to be like i'm bad at everything and yep. my work is shitty yeah so like we're here to say yesterday crying exactly on the floor. uh and me every week being like i'm not a real writer <laughs> meanwhile i'm working on like four fan fictions yeah. or whatever which you, you have listen Pepe that's sylvia did the shit out of a noir story <laughs> for fun listen that's still writing um Hey, that's what I are call you putting, writing. Are you putting words down on paper? You're writing. Um, if someone could write baby shoes for sale, never worn, then like you can write. 
<laughs> I say somewhat. As if that's like really shitty or something. Like it's very, very actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that many words. Um, yeah, but it conveys it anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is um, I hope the people who worked on this feel, I, I, I want them to feel uh, thanked and that they, their uh, art and their work and their passion is seen and, and appreciated felt and appreciated yeah once again let's go down the line and do little league yeah <laughs> good game good game good, good game, game. <laughs> um uh yeah that is i think all i got for my yeah. my animation corner um and by animation corner i mean my design corner bitch i'm not yeah. an animator um not yet well no because i don't like it <laughs> okay not ever, ever. <laughs> i've done it before and it's you're bad. an animator appreciator yeah i'm an animation appreciator I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a designer yeah yeah uh okay okay do we have any other season two predictions that we really want to get into we really want to dig into i don't know i think rex is gonna come back i'm worried about cody listen we've talked about rex is gonna come back for sure i'm so scared so scared about Cody. that's like the thing that occupies most of my brain when i think about the next season of this show is like fear not that I don't care about any of these other characters as we talked in no, ad nauseum about Charlie Rampart, but, but quite like honestly, like none of them feel like they're on the line as much as Cody because no. guess what? He's not in anything else that we've seen. Yeah, we're um fucking Do you remember when the season finale of this show do happened? You remember? <laughs> Last year and um so many people it was between episodes, it was between um fifteen and sixteen. Fifteen and sixteen, and so many people were like, Oh my god, Kratzer's gonna die. And you and me both were just like He's not gonna die. Did you re- like read the room? He's not gonna die. Like he's <laughs> what is like his story is not complete yeah, yet. Like, he is not can going you imagine to die. If his story ended here that's just it like nothing would have been yeah camino blew up and then he just died and then the rest of them left like what the (laughs) fuck they moved on with their lives after this entire season of really good storytelling yeah they're like anyway we're gonna kill someone because it's a season finale (laughs) we need to have some sort of plot twist this is game of thrones (laughs) ned stark shows up and shoots him in the back of the head with a gun (laughs) and he's a cyborg And he got put here through a wormhole or whatever after he got his head cut off in King's Landing. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I'm scared for Cody because, again, we don't see him in a lot of other things. And he, at this point, like, he's kind of di- diametrically opposed to Rex. I mean, we, we don't know where we're g- where he's going to show up, but I'm assuming it is still in the employ of the Empire. <sighs> yeah. Um, and again, beautiful angst. Love the angst that I'm seeing that i'm for that i'm foretelling seeing in my brain in my brain that i'm divining um (laughs) but uh yeah it it makes me scared because i just want them to be together and to live a life full of love and joy and happiness yeah Um, yeah and and i i just think cody is not gonna the one fucking hope i have is that as we've talked about previously is that cody didn't fucking kill obi-wan fully he didn't fully kill him. He just watched him fall down a hole and he said was good like, enough. He said good enough, which again, very out of his character. I was going to say, it's not exactly Cody to be like, no. good enough. Mr. I don't OSHA give a officer? <laughs> Mr. has a clipboard. Mr. Clipboard OSHA officer space OSHA sir uh, would never, <laughs> no, I, has never uttered the words good enough in his life. In his whole life. No. Um, he didn't become commander of the fucking whatever whole ass OSHA army. guard. <laughs> <laughs> By saying good enough. Yeah, truly. Um, um, 
yeah, I'm worried about him. He's my only concern. I'm so like concerned. again, I I feel like there's like a high likelihood we'll see Hauser again. I I'm not concerned about Hauser I'm as a, much. I'm a little concerned that like we're just not going to see him again. And that was just sort of... That would be interesting. Or we're not going to see him until like season three and yeah. he's going to have been like in prison the whole time. Yeah. Um, Maybe he'll have to, be like... a deus ex machina <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> it's just Hauser. Um, my it's, thought is... They're like, it's going to be an episode that's lacking like hot people and they'll be like, wait a second, we have <laughs> we a hot have one. We have a boy. He's just Maybe sitting. he's got a beard now. We don't know. I'm less concerned about Hauser though just because like... I, I don't know. He's not Cody. I feel like, yeah, he's not Cody. I feel like if um he were to have just, like, died, they would have shown that to us. Yeah, also... The fact that they all get arrested instead of, like, got killed, like... Got got. Got got. Got murked. Um, <laughs> got moited. Yeah. Um, I also think that really what we're dealing with here with the I have one fear about Cody, it's that it's not that he's going to die, per se. It's that he is going to be a dick, you know? Yeah, that he's going to um that he won't be a good man anymore as we understand and, and like rex is and and like echo and, and everyone rex else is gonna who knew have him to is, fucking kill him is or gonna something. kill him or just have to like deal with this like oh my god yeah, the emotional this, toll yeah the, yeah yeah please this like, boy's been through enough again it's not it's not that i'm like concerned about cody perishing which like i am but like again it's it's the fact less that, of a like, fear than like him having to uh like like rex having to kill him they're that making way for a greater tragedy yeah yeah, yeah. um like uh, like with Hauser, it's like I know that he's always going to be a good man. If something b- bad happens to him, he's still going to be a good man. Yeah, you know, like he we know this to be like a, an integral part of his character. So a- as much as you know, I love him and I hope he is well. Um, <laughs> sending my best wishes wherever you are, Hauser. Get well soon. <laughs> gonna send him a a big uh, edible yeah. arrangement in prison, in Empire prison. <laughs> It's going to be like... In- We're going around the office taking uh, pledges for uh, <laughs> animal arrangements. We're going to send to Hauser. Um, it's like in uh, in Red Dead 2. Like, do you think he's going to be in prison like John is in prison? <laughs> you have to go back and get him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they prison. have to break him. They're going to have to break him They're going to do a gale out. break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I don't... I think that's all. I think that's all. I'm excited for what we're going to see. I mean, now we have to wait for fucking January, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, we have our own grim machinations going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and we're going to have Andor at least until November, I think. Yes. Um, Which so is that's premiering something. legitimately tomorrow at this point. Very, very excited for that. That's not Bad Batch related, but. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. This is our last episode for season one of The Bad Batch, but we will be covering season two in a slightly different format. More of a show after the show kind of thing, analyzing the season as it's released um, and making predictions where we think it's going. Uh, So join us for that. Season two will premiere January 4th. In the meantime, you can find our entire catalog on Spotify and Apple podcasts and also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the batch pod. So if you like story and you like star Wars, then tune in for the next season of the good, the bad and the batch. Bye. Bye.